Welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. Uh, thank you for taking a break from the never, the nonstop news cycle we're living in at the moment and listening to our uh, little podcast. I'm Ryan Van Biver with me, as always, Stephen White. Hey, Stephen, how are you today? I am shell-shocked, but I'm going to make it through. How about you? Well, there's never a dull moment, I uh, except for the NFL right now, which is, like, really dull at the moment. So, And I guess at least we got something to fill the void, huh? Hey, you got to do something, right? Gotta, <laughs> That's gotta, right. got to distract yourself somehow. That's right. You know, I, I wonder, like, the NFL always gets so attention-hungry. It's like, you wonder what, like... At some point, Roger Goodell is going to have to come up with a plan to be like, damn it, Congress and the president are taking away people's attention from OTAs. We got to do something. Fire off a primetime special. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> not the, it, it's not the, not the most far-fetched NFL idea we've heard. Uh, let's see. What is going OTAs, I guess, start up next week. Exciting, I know. Uh, get your shorts on, everybody, and head out to OTAs. Um, let's see what else has been in the news. Uh, Tom Brady, wife was on uh, what the CBS Morning News show yesterday, and uh, revealed that or said that he had a concussion. She claimed that he had a concussion last year. Now he was never on an injury report for a concussion. And in his entire career has never been listed um, in, in the protocol or on the injury report for any sort of head injury, concussion-related ailment. Um, but I think just sort of confirmed basically what we all know, that if you play football, you're going to get, if not an outright concussion, you're going to be dealing with some head trauma at some point. Well, that's just kind of the nature of the beast, I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the the thing about a situation like this is that you would rather, if it was going to come out, that it come from the player. Because now everybody's going to question, you know, how would she know and all these other things. And they're going to get, you know, people who want to believe that she's not telling the truth will find a way to justify believing that she wasn't telling the truth. Yeah. And then, you know, that really doesn't help anybody. But, yeah. you know, if it... I can understand, though, if she was concerned about that, because we've always talked about the fact that, that, you know, the amount of money these guys make and the importance of almost every game in a 16-game season, there's a tremendous pressure there for guys to try to hide a concussion because now with the concussion protocols, so many times you're going to miss at least a week. Yeah. And so uh, we know that. Uh, anybody who's honest with themselves, you know, would, would at least assume that it's happening sometimes. And so this wouldn't be all that surprising to me if it happened. Um, if anything, I'd be surprised it doesn't happen probably more than we think. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's really just sort of, I mean, the point that to me in this is, and it's something, you know, Louis Bien on our staff had written about earlier in the spring that about the like the NFL's concussion protocol it's not like you know it it's not necessarily a bad system but there's just that you know it's like you said there's that human element that's hard to you just it's hard to legislate to it and or create policy around it from the league's perspective is that the self-reporting angle of it you know and there's incentive 
you know, you know, obviously there's an incentive for guys that are sort of on the roster bubble not to report injuries because, you know, they are at risk of losing their job, non-guaranteed contracts and all that stuff. But now you've got like, okay, here's probably the most recognizable player in the sport. Arguably, you know, the guy with probably the safest job in all of professional football. And, uh, you know, it comes out that, you know, he may not be reporting his concussions as well. That's sort of like, you know, that's a that's a culture change that's going to be hard to shift in the NFL. Right. And I think a lot of the, the shift has to happen as far as educating these players on what their life looks like after so many concussions. Mm-hmm. Because when you're playing, you just feel invincible. Yeah. Even when you're hurt, you feel like, well, I can just take this Toradol shot or, you know, I can take these. Uh, back in the day, we had Vioxx yeah. pills and they'll knock the pain out and I can go out here and do whatever I need to do. Yeah. And a lot of guys have always looked at concussions the same way. They feel like you can just will yourself through them. Yeah. Or as if they aren't really actually damaging their brain long term. Yeah. You just think about the moment, the paycheck, the you know, being on the roster, mm-hmm. uh, the difference between being in the playoffs <laughs> and being out of the playoffs or winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. And those are in the moment decisions where guys have a lot of conflicting motivation. Yeah. And that's why you put the uh, concussion protocol in place in the first place. So you have people, you know, from the outside, not the player having to self-report, but you have people watching to see if they are in a position where they might have been concussed Mm -hmm. and need to get checked out. You know, that's why that part of it is so important. And even you got to look at it this way too. Um, When you are concussed, you aren't thinking straight most of the time. And so, you know, to expect a guy who might be concussed to have a rational thought, like, let me go tell somebody I'm concussed, when that might be, their brain might be completely scrambled in that moment. Th- that's why you have the independent spotters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we know that s- there's guys that's going to slide through because, you know, everybody thinks that concussions have to come from these humongous hits right to the face. Mm-hmm. And that's simply not the case. Uh, we talk so much about guys in the trenches getting hit over and over and over again and the cumulative effect of that, you know, but it doesn't look like a, a quote-unquote concussion hit. And so, you know, you might have a guy who's concussed on a routine play that you just don't even know. Yeah. But his mind is telling him, you know, might be telling him, hey, you just need to stay in the game. You just need to play. Yeah. Or what have you. So, um, like you said, that's the human element of this whole deal. Um, and, and people might take that to mean, well, well, then why are play, players complaining about concussions, uh, the former players, if that's just a part of football? Mm-hmm. The whole point is the NFL actively tried to and, and was successful in uh, suppressing evidence of the long-term effects <clears throat> of those hits, of those concussions. Yeah. You know, if you got – Literally, the guy who was over uh, the concussion, uh, uh, quote-unquote, con- concussion studies for the NFL saying dumb shit like concussion might be good for you. Yeah. You know? And, and so um, these younger guys need to really understand the kind of life they're looking forward 
that, that they will be seeing themselves in in 10, 20 years yeah. if they have these repeated concussions. Because I always say this, you know, back when I was playing, you would see the older guys, the, the former players, in certain places, you know, you could expect to see them at Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, someone would be at the Hall of Fame game. Someone would be at training camp. And when you see these guys, you see them with the limp and stuff, and sometimes you can tell maybe, you know, they had a knee replacement or a hip replacement or something like that. And you fi- you figure to yourself, okay, well, I might have to get my hip replaced or my knee replaced at some point mm-hmm. on down the line. But you don't really think, it doesn't really hit you that, what about the guys I'm not seeing? Yeah. Why aren't they here? And then later on, you know, as you start hearing different stories, you hear about guys who would love to be, you know, showing up to those kind of events, but they have dementia or, you know, they're dealing with addiction issues that are also related to concussions. Yeah. Or maybe they're in jail because they had anger issues that were related to concussions, but did nobody know it. You know, we've had a, a local guy here who was a former player that owned several restaurants, started acting erratically, and ultimately ended up committing suicide, mm-hmm. and kind of found out he had CTE. Yeah. And so you educate these guys, and look, man, we, we understand we were all there. We all had that warrior spirit, too, of, like, I can fight through anything, including a concussion. Yeah. And you might actually be right for that one game. But 10, 20 years from now, when you, you're in your... 30s and 40s, but you got the, the brain of a 70 or 80 year old. Yeah. Ask yourself if it's really going to be worth it because, you know, when you're in your, your 30s or 40s, you still got a whole lot of life ahead of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should... Yeah. And yeah. So, it's... you know, like I said, I, I think that is the only thing that's going to get these guys to understand the importance of self reporting those concussions because otherwise, like I said, there's always going to be that. That, that those competing motivations in the moment and then plus you're not thinking straight because you're concussed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'll be, you know, it, it, it'll be a big shift. I mean, the policies are getting there. It'll be interesting to see, you know, the, the culture shift that has to go with it. I, I wonder, you know, with young players and how, you know, how that's being talked about now in like youth level football and how that matriculates sort of upwards, you know, as those guys get into college in the NFL. And I guess it just kind of depends, you know, where you're at and, uh, you know, how systemic those changes are at that level. And I don't, it'll be interesting to see how that changes in the, in the, in the years ahead, because right now it's, it's not the thing that happens overnight, you know? It definitely won't. And, you know, it's, it's, you wanted to start, like you said, at the little league level. Mm-hmm. But I can I can tell you, as a guy who's actually coached little league for a year, most of the time there aren't enough volunteers, and so the coaches you end up with yeah. are the coaches you deserve. Yeah. And when you don't have a lot of uh, parent involvement and, and people showing up to volunteer, then the people that who who end up showing up to volunteer might not be the people you really want coaching your kid. Yeah. So. Um, you know, but hopefully we can get it started there. So by the time a kid is in high school, he understands the importance of both tackling properly, using proper technique when they're doing everything that they do on the field and also letting the coach know if they feel like they have a concussion. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, let's see, what else is going on in the NFL world lately? I guess we had a big, big free agent move this week. LeGarrette Blount signed with the Eagles. I mean, seems like good fit. Gives him sort of a big back, first, second down kind of back. Um, you know, I'm, I guess I'm a bit of a homer since the Eagles uh, drafted uh, Barry Barnett. Um, but I really kind of like what they've done so far. Um, yeah. You know, uh, they were not a bad team last year with the new head coach. And they no. had the new young rookie quarterback in Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. And but you know they can't. They started off kind of hot, as I recall, and then kind of tapered off. Yeah, uh, a bit. Uh, and of course, Carson Wentz had some some rookie moments, some 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 teachable moments, and what have you. But if he can t- take a step forward this year, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a huge step forward. Mm-hmm. I think they put enough talent around him. Uh, on both sides of the football that you might want to start, you know, thinking about the Eagles uh, winning that division at the very least yeah. this year. I, yeah, and I really, you know, the thing I'd kind of forgotten about just because, you know, the stuff that happened in early March seems like <laughs> a year ago at this point or more. But, like, I, you know, they, I really like that they brought in Alshon Jeffrey. I think that was a really, a really smart move, especially when you got a young quarterback to have a receiver like that. Now, you know, if he can stay healthy and on the field is always the question. But I mean, I think that's a that was a hell of a get for them this year. Exactly. You know, that was the one thing that was the the glaring need for them on offense last year mm-hmm. uh, was a guy <laughs> who could be that deep threat and just. Also, just be a physically dominant type of receiver. Just mm-hmm. a guy you can throw the football up to. You know, it's third and long, and you got to make a play. You just throw it up and let him make a play. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Matthews is kind of supposed to be that guy, but he's ended up being more of a, you know, uh, I wouldn't say possession receiver, but not really that explosive guy yeah. that, that, you, that you really like to see. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, you got Alshon Jeffrey. Um, they got uh, Corey Smith too. Green Beckham. They got Green Beckham. Yeah. Uh, last year, uh, and you know if he can ever develop, he could be that same kind of guy. So imagine you're in the red zone and you got Green Beckham on one side, Alshon Jeffrey yeah. on the other, <laughs> with Legarrette Blunt in the backfield. Yeah. <laughs> and you got a big ass Carson Wentz who can also run with the football. Yeah. And you got Zach Ertz at tight end. Yeah. And Brent Selleck behind him. Yeah. So again, you know, you already had a pretty decent uh, offensive line. Lane Johnson hopefully won't be suspended again anytime <laughs> soon. Um, and then, you know, like I said, they did on both sides of the ball too. So, yeah. uh, you know, you bring in uh, a Chris Long, you, you you draft a Derrick Barnett, and you already, of course, had you know guys like Fletcher Cox and, and Nigel Bradham and, mm-hmm. and and guys like that. And so, uh, you know, I think that if they can stay healthy, man, or at least on paper right now, yeah, they're looking pretty good to me. Yeah, it's a good group. Uh, that you know that division could be pretty good again. It was. It's been a. It's been a few years since 
most of the teams in that division were kind of competitive. But this is a, you know, the Cowboys are going to be good, I think, obviously. You know, they've got the parts there. You've got, I think, Washington's a better team than they were last year on paper, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, And I'm not the biggest Cousins fan, but I think that, you know, they've improved a little bit on defense, you know, from where they were. And then, you know, New York is an interesting situation. They certainly have the fucking receivers there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know that that division keeps getting stronger. Now, now Washington, I think me personally, uh, them losing Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon, yeah, is going to have uh, some effect that that maybe people aren't really anticipating. I know they got Terrell Pryor, but as I said last year. You know, Terrell Pryor is physically dominant, but he still doesn't know really how to catch the football. Yeah. He can catch the easy passes, but when it comes down to it, he still hasn't shown an ability to really go up and make the hard, contested catch. If you can get a hand up with him, I don't know if his hands aren't that strong or what, but he still isn't really plucking the ball out the air. Yeah. And, you know, Pierre Garçon gave them some physicality and attitude. And then, of course, Deshaun Jackson just put the fear of God in defense coordinators. I think Terrell Pryor will get his, but I don't think it'll be that same kind of effect. And then, you know, Josh Doxson was good in a a kind of a a, a complimentary role is is kind of that third wide receiver. But Mm -hmm. is he ready to take on a bigger role? You you know, you just never know. I'm sorry. I was talking about Crowder. Crowder. Yeah. And then they got Josh Doxson coming back, too, who was hurt all the last year. Well, I was very high on coming out. Yeah. You know, but we haven't seen him really do anything yet. Yeah. So um, that offense, I think, has a few more question marks than they've had in a while with this new slate of guys that uh, uh, Cousins is going to be throwing to. Yeah. And I always say this, that offense lends itself to him playing well. The, the athletes around him, including the tight end Jordan Reed, lend themselves to Cousins playing well. But I always say it, what happens if he doesn't have the same level of talent around him. Yeah. Now, maybe maybe Josh Dyson, you know, steps up and has a great uh, uh, second-year campaign after not playing last season because he kept being hurt. I think I saw some recently where he was maybe may have been nicked up again. I don't know. Uh, maybe Terrell Pryor, you know, figures out how to go up and get those contested catches. But it'll be interesting to see if Kirk Cousins can put up the same kind of season. And if he can, I'll take my hat off to him. But it'll be interesting to see if he has the same kind of production for Garcon and and, uh, Deshaun Jackson no longer in town. Yeah. Yeah, you know, know, another thing that will kind of be interesting to see, and I saw this, um, damn it, I forget who... Who was tweeting? uh, A real... A football writer that's, you know, real... Damn it, I can't remember. Not Chris Brown. Uh, maybe Chase Stewart. Maybe I, I don't remember. Pretty one, you know, one of the the smarter football writers out there was tweeting. You know, done kind of the research and had looked at you know teams, and they were talking about this in the context of the Falcons with you know Kyle Shanahan leaving for uh, the San Francisco job. But Washington's in a similar situation because they lost McVeigh to the Rams head coaching job. But like you, there is a sort of a natural dip. You see that almost regularly when a team loses its offensive quarter. Now they promoted Matt Kavanaugh, who was their quarterback's coach. So maybe it's 
a less of a disruptive thing for Washington. But I, don't know, I just thought that was an interesting. It's interesting to watch some of that. You know, everyone we focus on the head coaching changes. It's sometimes it's interesting to see where there might be an effect with the coordinators leaving town too, especially for a guy like Cousins. Right. But now, you know, I, I would say that probably most people feel like Gruden is kind of the brains behind yeah. that offense anyway. So I'm not sure how much difference it's going to make, but that is definitely something to watch as well because it does generally make a, a difference when that guy leaves. Like you said, I mean, it's got to have at least some kind of effect, maybe even a positive one. But yeah, it's hard to see it not having any effect at all. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's a contract. It's sort of a contract year for Cousins too. So that's always interesting. That's always interesting to see how uh, how. I mean, I guess last year was technically a contract year too. But we'll see. Uh, we will see how the KC masterpiece, <laughs> PFT commenter's the second favorite quarterback, puts it together this year. <laughs> I was thinking about penalty. <laughs> this is the golden age for him, man. <laughs> um, so it's there's an owners meeting next week, and it sounds like they're going to do a couple of rule changes. Now, one I think it's not a huge one, and it's not the kind of thing that oh my god, it's going to have people talking all year long. But I think it's a pretty smart move that does have some effect. Is the uh, you know, now with when guys go to injured reserve, you can they a few years ago they changed it where you can designate one guy to come back. Now you're going to be it's expected that they'll approve the rule to where you can bring a second guy back from injured reserve, which I think is really smart. And like here's an example of this: um, the Patriots could have brought back Gronkowski last year. It, it had you know possibly I mean you know, never say for sure, but you know. It's um, at any rate, I think it's a good rule. I mean, you 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 put a player on IR, and it's nice that they heal up and they can come back. Um, it, it helps. It helps. It's not quite the same as expanding a roster, but I think it's an incremental move, at least in the right direction. And sometimes the league makes incremental moves that are just like, what the fuck? Which there's another one of those we could talk about too. But I don't know. I like it. I think it's a good move. I think it'll have a positive effect. Right. I mean, when you think about it, what is the downside to this? Yeah. Um, really, the only downside you can see is that a team might have to play pay a player, an extra player, whereas they normally wouldn't have. You know, you normally when you put the guy on uh, injured reserve, then that's it. He's done. Now that you can bring another guy back, I, I guess maybe you're on the hook for, for a little bit more salary. But, I mean, getting guys off IR who are healthy – Generally, you're only doing that if that guy is really, really good. Like, you're not getting a special teams, you know, guy who might not even be uh, active half the games off an hour early because you don't care about him. So if a team wanted to bring one or two or really even three or four guys off an IR, I mean, why wouldn't you let them do that? Because they're only doing it if they think that guy is going to be an upgrade over who they already have. Yeah. And that means better football. That means more competitive football. That means that we're going to really get to see the best against the best. Yeah. You know, and and before we so you know by the end of the season, it's such a war of attrition. Um, 
it, it hasn't always been about the best teams at the end. It's been about the, the teams that have kind of weathered the storm the best. Yeah. You know, weathered the, the injuries the best. So if you can bring a couple guys back, man, and get you a little bit closer to full speed, to, 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 to you know, having your best squad out there, I'm all for that. Because, I, you know, it's hard to do over a 16-game season, but you really want to see teams kind of playing their best football heading to the playoffs because that means you're going to get good football. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think if last season of all seasons is a reminder about how much – what happens in the absence of good football sometimes. <laughs> oh, man, it's just awful. It's – and okay, so speaking of bad football and speaking of rule changes – they're gonna. They're supposedly gonna approve the the shortening overtime from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. Okay, fine, whatever. You're probably gonna have more ties. I'm not a big fan of the tie game in the regular season, but you know, it's it's you know, it's it's not the end of the world just in terms of like okay, you shave five minutes off the end of the game. But the reason they want to do it is that. Uh, Supposedly, it's a concern over player safety. Um, you know, like, well, let's, you know, we don't want to have a situation where, and I forget the team, I think it was, maybe it was the Cardinals that had to do this last year. They had a Sunday night football game that goes to overtime, the full overtime period. And then they turn around, they have a Thursday night football game. So out of the kindness of their heart, the NFL owners are going to shave off five minutes of overtime so that a team that plays on Sunday night and Thursday night will, uh, won't have, to, will have five less minutes of football to play and help them be fresh and turn things around. So now is that just the fucking dumbest NFL thing you've heard in a while or what? I, I, look, when it first came out, I said, listen, this is stupid because it's going to create a whole lot more time. And now, whether your team get in the playoff or not, yeah. playoffs or not, is going to be come down to some crazy ass formula instead of wins and losses. Yeah. Right. But then I said it almost right away. I tweeted almost right away. I'm like, watch them try to make it seem like this is about player safety, which is complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. If you really cared about player safety, then when you would listen to the players telling you, we don't want to play on fucking Thursday night. No. It's, you know, it's killing us. Yeah. You know, trying to turn around a game from Sunday to Thursday, man. First of all, if you're a head coach, I'm looking at it from the perspective of I'm losing a week of practice. And some guys really need to practice during the week. You can't practice if you played on Sunday and now you got to play on Thursday. Yeah. You get glorified walkthroughs. So I'm losing a week of practice. Then these guys, man, look, when I played football, about the middle of the year, you didn't start feeling good again until maybe Thursday. Yeah. Maybe Thursday. Yeah. And you didn't feel good then. You just felt like, okay, maybe my legs are back up under me a little bit. Maybe the soreness is starting to wear off from Sunday. You didn't start feeling like you could play until Friday a lot of times. That's why so many guys have to go and test their injuries before the game on Sunday. You know, yeah. we watch all these pregame shows and they show guys, oh, uh, the strip coach is going out to test so-and-so's knee. Well, if his knee still needs testing on Sunday, guess what happens on Thursday? Yeah. So if you really care, you'll get rid of these games. But you figured out that you would monopolize a whole nother day 
after Sunday and Monday night was already in your back pocket, and you don't want to give it up. Yeah. But don't tell me that five minutes that don't mean shit because you rarely have overtime in the first place, and usually it rarely goes further than about 10 minutes to begin with, that that rare occasion where it would actually go further than that is actually helping somebody? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. And what kills me is like, what did I, I have to go back and find it, but you had last year where, at some point in the last year where Roger Goodell came out and said that the Thursday, absolutely Thursday night football is a, by any measure as good, if not better, than any other Sunday, Monday game we play, which is absolute, complete bullshit. I mean, that's the dumbest, like, that's as dumb as Goodell's marijuana's an addictive drug and it's going to ruin the children of America fucking statement he made the other day. It's just, it's not. I'm like, you know, I'm not a, I try not to be a hot takes guy. I try not to throw um, subjective claims out there without anything to back up. But there is nothing you can tell me. Having watched Thursday Night Football since its inception, there is nothing you can do to convince me that Thursday Night Football measures up by any standard you want to measure it with to games on Sunday or Monday. No well, see, way. Well, see, Ryan, you're missing his point. He <laughs> yeah. wasn't talking about good football. He was talking about good ratings. Yeah, exactly. Because even though Thursday night football is never going to be mistaken for Sunday night, Sunday night football or Monday night football ratings, it's still killing everything else in their time slot. Yeah, usually. yeah. So, shit, they still making money off of it? It does look pretty damn... Uh, incredible to, to Roger Goodell, he patting himself on the back. Look at this money we're making off of this. He's not talking about the product on the field. And, and in reality, he probably never is. Because what does he care whether a team looks good on the field as long as they're making all this money? Yeah. So, again, th- th- that's really the problem. If people stop watching Thursday Night Football, which they won't because so many people are into fantasy football and gambling and just like football. Shit, I love football. It'd be hard for me to turn it off. Yeah. And it's my job, so I really can't. But, you know, the only thing that these people will listen to is money. And if you stop watching, that costs them money. And then they will consider moving it. Other than that, Roger Goodell doesn't look at game film. He looks at oh, well, no. spreadsheets of the finances. That's what he cares about. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> it's just incredible. The players hate it. Coaches don't fucking like it. And the coaches are usually pretty, <clears throat> you know, coaches toe the party line as as much as there's just about anybody in the league. But. Even the coaches every now and then let it slip how much they don't like Thursday night football. Some more than others. You know, you get like Bruce Arians or somebody like that. But it's, I mean, that's three days. If you play Sunday, whether anytime Sunday, you got three days without a, a, without a game. You got three days to get ready for your next game. Three days. It's just unbelievable. It's hard enough to put a game plan together. Oh, yeah. And you, if you're a coach, is running you ragged because the, the week before, 
you're doing the game plan for that team and you're having to do a little bit of the game plan for the Thursday night game. Yeah. Everybody is fucking worn out from that. From yeah. turning around a, thir- a Sunday game and then trying to prepare for a, a Thursday night game taxes everybody and it's it's so unnecessary the league did fine before thursday night football and they would do just fine again without it yeah exactly i mean there's don't look on monday night football if you want to you know those west coast teams that people never really get to see give them an extra uh uh, monday night football game throughout the season that's one way you know to kind of try to balance it out but the thursday night football man ultimately if you're really concerned about player safety, that's what has to go. Yeah. Fuck this five minutes in the overtime shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just, I mean, it's just incredible. And, uh, you know, the funny, and, like, even as from the media perspective, like, Thursday night football is is this redheaded stepchild of when you talk about NFL. People don't, I mean, unless, the only time I've ever seen Anything come out of Thursday night football is the bad stuff, like somebody gets injured, you know, which Roger Goodell assures me doesn't happen very often or any more than any other game. But I don't care when somebody gets injured. That's the only time people talk about Thursday night football other than maybe briefly a little bit after the game. It's this orphan in the middle of the media cycle that nobody wants. And the NFL's so structured with Sunday and Monday games in the regular season and you get – so you get like your first half of the week kind of to talk about the games that were. Then you got your second half of the week to talk about the games that are coming up. And then there in the middle of this you have, oh, well, we're not quite ready for Sunday even from a media and a fan perspective. And you're throwing Thursday night football in there at us. So and, – and what are we supposed to do with it? Great. It's Thursday night football. Have fun watching, you know, uh, like this one's not going to be as easy to make anymore, but like the Titans Jaguars Thursday night classics. Ah, we will see what happens. <laughs> right. But yeah, Thursday night football is not going anywhere. No way. And I can't even imagine it even, I will bet you a slab of ribs. It doesn't come up at the collective bargaining talks next time around even. Because it's money. Right. Hey, did you see? I I haven't seen the story yet. I just saw a mention of it today, and I haven't had a chance to dig around and find out more about it. But somebody was talking about um, the Players Union has a strike fund now. Or like uh, at least like a more legitimate strike fund than they had back in 2011. Had you seen anything about that? Well, I hadn't, but let's not forget that the one they had back then was pretty legit, too. Yeah. They actually sent players some money from that fund when they didn't even need to because they hadn't even missed any games. Yeah. Um, but they, they distributed money from that fund back then, and we actually had a strike fund going back when I was playing. But yeah. what they did was basically um, our dues are refundable. Yeah. But they started holding your, your dues for a few years, and then they will refund them like two years removed. Yeah. So you would have two years worth of dues in there accruing interest and growing with everybody else's money just in case there was going to be any kind of lockout or anything. So it's not anything new. Um, they might have maybe found a way to fund it a little bit uh, at a higher level. Obviously, the dues are probably going up as the, the salaries have. 
And these guys are making a lot more now than, than you know, I'm talking about the minimum salaries than we were back then. So yeah. uh, that, that's certainly plausible. But this is not at all a, uh, a new thing for the NFLPA. We were doing it back when Gene was in charge. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I kind of wondered if, like, if this was, there was something, like, I mean, I knew they, that's just sort of standard practice for most unions, but, like, if they, this, there was something different about this one, I don't know, I'm going to, when we're done here, I'm going to look that up, that's an interesting thing just to kind of put a pin in and come back to, um, but we, we will see. Right. Um, I, oh, we did get some breaking news, um, it doesn't have anything to do this it's nfl breaking news i should say the uh inglewood stadium is going to be delayed by a year the the one that the rams stan Kroenke's golden palace in inglewood california is going to be delayed i'm uh, not going to open until 2020 um so the chargers and rams won't be rooming together until 2020 and what's interesting about that is that's where they're tentatively scheduled to play the uh, 2020, the Super Bowl in February 2021. Oh, so what happens if they all schedule? I have no idea. They don't actually get up. That would be very interesting. Right now, the official statements are something that's like the reporting's. It's not clear if it'll delay or impact the stadium hosting the Super Bowl that year. Um, but, you know, the NFL rules are such that they can change that if they can change the site if they need to i'm kind of rooting for chaos (laughs) i I gotta admit i'm kind of you know rooting for the uh the building materials to fail so uh, apparently it was the rain let's see how that turns out (laughs) hey and it's you know stan that's uh, stan cronky couldn't happen to a nicer fella Oh, well, so yeah, that'll be, um, so, so that means the Chargers for, so the Rams will be in the Coliseum for another year and the Chargers will be in that tiny little stadium, soccer stadium with what, 27,000 seats or so. Yeah, but you know, who's counting? Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> the church the team the the one of two la teams that might actually be good before the other one so <laughs> fascinating man you can tell it's the off season because we're talking about the super bowl in 2021 <laughs> a stadium and uh the top article on sb nation nfl right now is which NFL fans wear their jerseys to church? Yeah, see, that, that, that's where we're at. We, you know, look, you just wait until the, the basketball playoffs are over with. Oh, it's the We're going to get mighty slim. It's we, the We're going to have to come up with all kind of stuff. So, <laughs> that two or three weeks before training camp open up, man, listen. It's going to be reaching. <laughs> oh, we've been talking about like, well, we're trying to think about two things editorially now. Like, okay, we're thinking about a package to put together for the summer, like, you know, an NFL revisiting something or, or, or some sort of theme that we can kind of create, you know, some pieces around that go to it. And then, you know, and then we do our season preview. And this, this year with the season preview, we'll have it identify a theme for that too. So we can kind of you know, frame things within that. But like, I have been 
like trying to come like trying to come up with an idea when you have to and when there's like nothing else going on is the hardest damn thing in the world. I'm tell I mean, you know, all things being relative, but like it's especially this time of year, you're just like, you're beat down from the draft and you're just kind of recovering a little bit. You're still trying to process that. And then like, man, I got to think of a way to talk about football in June. (laughs) (sighs) I'm just going to go, you know what? Let's just rank. We're going to rank Thursday night football games this summer. Why not? (laughs) The greatest. (laughs) Why not? Seriously. I'm sure there's like one or no classics in there. We, we, I'm sure we'll find that 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 one game that everybody remembers. Probably uh, not. <laughs> Crunch course, Crunch course presents Thursday night football. <laughs> yeah, listen. Oh man. Well, let's see. I, I mean, that's like the hot topics in the NFL world right now. I mean, that nah, we, we kind of hit it, Stephen. Hey, I think we hit it as about as hard as you can hit it. We did. We did. I saw Vince Wilfork out there promoting ribs. That was the other big news out there. I, I didn't like whatever. It's for like a like a brand, a charcoal company or something is sponsoring it. But anything. But like I. One. I got to ask you this because like I you're from Memphis. So, you know, a little you know, a little bit about barbecue. But somebody mentioned boiled ribs. Have you? I've never heard of boiled ribs. Now I'm not a culinary expert by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but I've never heard of boiled no. ribs. No, listen. You don't boil them and then eat them. You boil them and then cook them. Okay. <laughs> I've heard of that before. Uh, now, why they do that, I, I'm not sure. I don't do that with my ribs, but I've seen people before they boil them for some reason uh-huh. before they actually put them on the grill. But yeah. I, I don't know anything about boiling them. <laughs> Even by the way. I would hope nobody does it because it seems like, I don't know, salmonella or something <laughs> might be in their future <laughs> if they tried that. But, you know, hey, everything ain't for everybody, I guess. But, yeah, I've seen people boil it. To cook I, it, then. I um... can't, yeah, yeah, just to. I, well, I, I, I'm not going to lie and say I know why they do it, but I've seen them do it and then put it on the grill. Yeah. Man. I love ribs. And, like, my grandparents, bless their heart, used to take me to eat rib places when I was a kid. And and then they tried, like, wool cookie ribs. And so, I mean, bless their heart, they tried. And it was always a spectacular failure. I think they might've been better off boiling to be honest with you. Cause because like, first of all, you probably shouldn't cook ribs. If your opinion of pork is that it has to be overcooked to be appropriately done for your standards, <laughs> not a recipe for disaster right there. And then one time my grandma cooked them in the oven in the house and I, you know, I put on my best face and I ate them, but man, I'm telling you what. <laughs> it's just, that's, that's no way to eat ribs. Nah, not at all. <laughs> all right, Stephen, um, it's May. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, jump off the phone here and we'll see what the uh, rest of the day's news cycle, what enjoyment it brings. Exactly. All right, man. It's been a great show, and uh, I appreciate talking to you again. You know, we got to kind of keep ourselves leveled in these shell shock times. We do. We really do.